This is the Sneaky Plays Podcast, presented by JokerMag.com. Alrighty then, welcome to the Sneaky Plays Podcast. I'm Brian Contino here with Dom Fierro and Chris Morris. What's up, boys? What's going on, fellas? Football season is a wrap, but uh, we've got plenty of other action going on in the sports world. I'm, I'm happy to be back this week. Uh, you know, some technical difficulties last week with for me. <laughs> but we're back in full force. Mid-major Thursday, well underway. Let's have a day. Yeah. You know, a bunch of news today in, in sports in general. Um, Mid-major Thursday is probably the least priority for most people. <laughs> I, would, I would agree. Um, you know, I first want to shout out, um, rest in peace, Frank Robinson, 14-time All-Star. Um, one of the best third basemen ever played the game. So, RIP, you were, uh, you were a real one, Frank Robinson. Uh, of course. Wasn't he the first ever uh, African-American player manager? I want to say he was, right? Yes, he, he was. Was. Yeah, was. He was, yes. Ah, pretty impressive, man. Great life. 500 five he didn't hit 600 homers right he's in the 500 club he is i want to say he's fifth all time in yeah five, still pretty five still very six maybe that's it's about mm-hmm. for me yeah r.i.p frank it's that's one of those uh you know he's part of that greatest generation the baseball players that everybody told everybody knows no matter you never watch baseball you watch it loyally everybody knows the frank robinson name yeah, absolutely. He's uh, he was a star for the Orioles, so um, he lived a good life, and uh, he was he was a great player and a great role model for the game. Uh, so that's a little little tidbit today. Um, we're gonna dive into um, our podcast. We're gonna be talking about the Super Bowl recap. Was it actually boring or not? Um, and then we're gonna dive into some NBA craziness that's been happening. Domin Morris will uh, give you some some updates on that. Um, then we'll discuss um, one team in the Big 12 that's making a solid run and making a name for themselves this year. And then uh, we'll discuss a little bit of baseball. So, um, Dom, let's start with you. What do you, what did you think about the game on Sunday night, the Super Bowl? You know, I thought it was all right. I didn't think the game itself was boring to the point where like you just, it was just like bearable to watch, but I think it was more so that the defenses dom were so dominant, like tons of punts, tons of three and outs. I mean, for the first half, the punting was the highlight of of that. Uh, <laughs> but I think if there's, I don't think it was because defenses were so dominant, but also has to do with uh, that the offenses were very lackadaisical. It seemed like. You know, Brady was trying to make throws that you've never, you haven't seen him make, you know, all season. Um, and when he was picked off right away in that first drive, you were like, "All right, let's go. This is going to be a fun one." But I thought the game itself, you know, it wasn't boring, but it wasn't good. It was just all right. The halftime show. I mean, I think that's, oh. the, I think that's the worst part of the Super Bowl, no matter who plays. Uh, I just think it's. There's no need for it. I feel like uh, I think there'd be much better with having like a local, uh, like a local high school band or college band or whatever. Have a bunch of them come out and play. You know, almost like the uh, Rose Bowl with the you know they had the the parade of roses of or whatnot that whatever it's called. 
you know, kind of show because everything's always about the city that the Super Bowl is in. So kind of have that city at halftime. Have us with the halftime show. Maybe show the band for five minutes or whatnot. But I just think the whole spectacle of that halftime show is just stupid. And the commercials, I mean, they were disappointing too. Uh, didn't like Bud Light coming after my boys over at Miller Light. Did not like that at all. I can tell you that. Uh, and then that NFL 100 commercial featuring no Packers. Just shame on them. Absolutely shame on oh, them. That's why you didn't like it because it didn't have any Packers on it. No, I absolutely loved the commercial. I just think I it's a say, shame. That was the only good. That was the only commercial I enjoyed. Oh yeah, that, I mean that. I thought the the <laughs> one with two chains was really good too. Oh yeah, that was funny. That was that funny. One. Yeah, that was. Funny. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on the uh the the halftime show. I don't think it's really needed. No, it's not. Especially like, I don't really care about Maroon Five. I know people do, and you know you, you like what you like and whatnot. But I just think it's it's just a waste of time to me. I rather be, to be about the city that the Super Bowls in, and not so much of oh, it's Maroon Five. Or if you're going to have a halftime show, have somebody from that city or that area. You know? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, Migos could have been out there. Aren't yeah, like, from Atlanta. I'd rather, I'd rather them all come out with, uh, you know, Falcons jerseys and really get the crowd going, than, you know, Maroon Five. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. I think it should be a city-based theme for the halftime shows if they're gonna do it. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think that's what that's what it should be to me. So overall, I would say if you put all three together, it was just an all right kind of Super Bowl experience this past Sunday. Yeah, I'm with you. I didn't. I didn't hate the game. I mean, a lot of people hated it. Everyone's bashing it just because that's all anybody wants to see in 2018, 2019, whatever. Is just points, and I love points too. Obviously, um, I mean, it drives ratings, it drives excitement. You get big plays, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I sort of enjoyed the tactical part of the game. Um, it was definitely like it was kind of hard to tell. All right, how much of this is really good defense versus just bad offense and I want to say more for the Rams side I actually thought I thought their defense was really good actually um and the Patriots moved the ball I mean Brady pretty much moved the ball the whole game um but they really did a nice job once they got the ball in Rams territory is stiffening up and Wade Phillips we've seen him play Brady really well in the past before um so I thought that matchup was fun to watch the other side I mean, Belichick, you know, is obviously one of the great, you know, maybe the greatest defensive game planner and defensive mind of all time, um, even when he has lackluster personnel, underwhelming personnel. I mean, there's some there's some names on that Pats defense, but for the large part, I mean, you would say they're pretty mediocre. Um, for, for what they did, though, in the playoffs, I mean, shutting down Pat Mahomes in that offense for an entire half before they went crazy, obviously, in the second half. Um, but And then, obviously, doing it to the Rams – the second highest scoring offense in the league for an entire game. Uh, it was really impressive, but you could tell. I mean, once they, they took away what the Rams do best, the play action passing, you know, the stretch runs to Gurley um, that really get him going downhill. And once they took that away, I mean, you could see that while the Rams have a great offense, they're sort of limited in what they can do in terms of, you know, diversity and all that stuff because they don't really. I mean, you're not Jared Goff at this point in his career. He's just not going to drop back and slice you up as a pocket as a pocket passer, and that's basically what they forced him to do. And I mean, you can see it was really no match. Um, and right when it looked like, I mean, things were maybe going to get exciting there in the fourth quarter after the Pats score 
Goster is starting to find his rhythm a little bit, made a couple nice throws in the drive after. Made, you know, what probably was his best throw of the night to Cooks, which wasn't, you know, I wouldn't say it was a drop, but it was a catchable ball. Certainly a great throw, and that would have tied the game with, I think, like four or five minutes to go. Then we would have had, you know, the real drama with Brady getting the ball in a tie game um, at the end of the Super Bowl. But, you know, it didn't work out that way. Gilmore got the pick, and certainly, I mean, the better team won. I mean, you could see from the jump that the better team was in that game. Um, so, yeah, I would say it wasn't it wasn't necessarily boring because I'd rather see a close game, even if it's low scoring, than a blowout like we saw a few years ago with that Broncos Seahawks game. Unfortunately for us in our lifetime, there haven't been many. Every Super Bowl's been pretty great. Um, I know a lot of the earlier Super Bowls, you know, back in seventies, eighties, nineties, were all blowouts. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've had a good run of Super Bowls in our life. Um, so yeah, even though it was low scoring, I'd still rather see a close game than a blowout. Um, so yeah, all in all, it was kind of a it was a meh Super Bowl for me. Yeah, for for me, it, it wasn't boring. It was it was a good game, well fought, but. And the Rams offense just really couldn't get anything going. And people are complaining about the points and touchdowns, things like that. That's not necessarily my complaint. My complaint would be, I mean, the Rams didn't get the ball into the red zone, like, until late in the fourth quarter, you know. And neither did the Patriots, really. So, you know, I wish they moved the ball a little bit more on both sides. Um, And then, you know, maybe the defense gets a nice stop and they kick a field goal or something like that. But there was really not much action um, as far as the offensive side of the ball. So as a, you know, if you're an average football fan, you watch maybe, you know, eight games a year, then the Super Bowl, like you probably weren't thrilled, but we watch football, you know, we watch red zone. We do, we know, we watch Thursday night, Sunday night games. We watch the primetime games. Like, you know, we know that it could be a bit, it could be high scoring, low scoring defenses can show out one day or another. And that both defenses just happen to show out. And we kind of knew that was going to happen based on how well these defenses played in the, in the weeks prior. Like the Patriots defense has been on fire since, you know, late December and the Rams defense has been consist consistently getting better throughout the year. So was I surprised that they stopped Tom Brady and the Patriots from getting 25 to 30 points? No, not at all. So for me, I knew they weren't going to score a lot of points. I just thought the yards would be a little bit higher and maybe some more first downs and things like that. But I did not think it was boring at all. Yeah, defense really started to take over, sort of. You know, it was the theme of this year. It was offense for the first three months. And, you know, if you just looked around the scoring around the league, defense really sort of made its mark in December. And even January, there really weren't a ton of, you know, with the exception of that Pats Chiefs AFC Championship game, which really wasn't even high scoring until the fourth quarter. There really weren't many shootout games. So I think it showed the defense still does win championships. Yeah, going back to Tino's point, I think just the offensive, I mean, both of them just looked overwhelmed to start the game. Uh, I mean, and the Rams looked overwhelmed pretty much the whole whole game other than that one drive they put together in the second half. You know, where, or I guess when they kicked the field goal in the first half, you know, they put a little bit of drive together, and then, you know, in the second half, and Goff ends up throwing that interception, but... You know, just overwhelming defense. Which I mean, if you're like like you said, if we're you got you watch football every week, you watch multiple games, you've seen these teams play. You know, either every week or a handful of times before the playoffs even started, then you're good to go. But something like this, where it's you know just too much defense, not not too much defense, but over you know just 
unreal amount of really good defense being played, and there's really nothing going on off late. Just makes for an all right game, but you know it's almost like you can compare it to like a baseball game, right? Like us three, you know, we watch like a say you watch like a Phillies game, Morris, right, or a Rays game, you know, and you're in the seventh inning and it's you know one nothing. It's complete pitcher's duel, right? Like we love that. Yeah, you know, like that's the a good average person. average fan doesn't love that. Average fan wants to see a you know seven. Six game home runs, lots of hits, lots of whatnot, but we would enjoy either way. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I like the, uh, like, I, like I said, it was kind of, it was definitely good defense, and I think it was more maybe on the Rams' part. It was just inept offense, which is I think what people don't like. I know that's what I don't like. I mean, I, I'm all for watching great defense. You know, all I could think of during watching that game was the Bama LSU game, that nine six game back, you know, a few years ago, and. Unlike most people, I actually thoroughly enjoyed that game because I was watching two physical smash mouth, you know, dominant defenses just go at each other. And I <laughs> thought that, you know, at times it sort of seemed that way on Sunday. But for the most part, like we said, I mean, the Rams were just a little too inept uh, for my liking. And, you know, really the whole game, other than maybe one or two drives, they just couldn't get anything going. Yeah, so all definitely all good points here. Um so before you uh, go on to NBA stuff, um, Morris, do you think Edelman uh, should have been MVP? I do. Yeah, I was saying that pr- like pretty much the whole game. Once the second half started, I was like, if the Pats win this game, gotta be Edelman. Um, if the Rams won, I was gonna make my case for Johnny Hecker. Um, just he was punting his ass off, but I think Edelman did deserve it. I mean, you can't argue with you know ten catches for. Almost a buck fifty. Brady didn't have a great game. Michelle, I guess, maybe was another option. He scored the game's only touchdown. He had a couple other nice runs, but uh, I think Edelman was the right choice. Yeah, I thought the game only came down to, you know, Edelman and Michelle. Um, I thought Michelle might tweak it out just because of the touchdown and considering it was the only one. Uh, but Edelman did have a great game, you know. So I'm not, you know, I care less about who wins the MVP and whatnot, but I think he deserved it more than uh, Michelle in the end. Now, Tino, I got a question for you. How'd you feel Joe Namath running out Super Bowl trophy oh, into the Pats? He was awfully slow. But... <laughs> yeah, it uh, it hurt a little bit, um, but I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I think what's worse is the Patriots just beating up on the AFC East every single year, so – yeah. I'm, I'm used to it by now, <laughs> you know. Um, but as far as Edelman, the MVP, uh, I actually thought it was um, Stefan Gilmore deserved it. Um, either him yeah. or uh, anyway. right. yeah. Um, You know, they, they both play their asses off on defense. So, um, and they're, you know, they were the staple of the game. They were really the reason why the Patriots held, you know, the Rams to three. So, um, anyway, let's uh, – Let's move on to what you guys really want to talk about. Some NBA craziness uh, throughout this past couple of weeks. Um, so I'll let you guys. I'll let you guys go at it a little bit, and I'll chime in when needed. But uh, let's uh, let's start with um, the AD stuff, Dom, for the Lakers. Oh, I'm absolutely loving this. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's not much like. Like, there's reality TV on MTV and all these channels, right? VH1. I mean, you name it. 
Dude, this is like ESPN reality TV. This is awesome to me. Uh, and you've I've heard so many the- like different theories about what's going, what's really going on with uh, you know. Obviously, the Lakers offered every single you know first round draft pick they've had the last few years plus more, uh, and the Pelicans said no. <laughs> then I go, well, the Pelicans. You know, are either shopping him to get more from another team that's willing to do it for a you know get AD for a year, and then we like well, we just kind of screwed ourselves, or you know, the Pelicans will eventually fall come trade deadline time. And then this morning when I woke up, uh, you know, I turned on ESPN and I see freaking Brian Windhorst on the on the TV, and he's saying that. The whole AD thing to the Lakers is just a, a, like a plot, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, for the Lakers to kind of blow themselves up <laughs> and get LeBron to like be really hated throughout the whole oh. organization, which I thought I thought was absolutely funny and it kind of makes sense. I can see. And then you see them get blown out by the Pacers. You see them get, you know, LeBron is. Seven benches away from the next closest, or seven seats away from the next closest person on the bench. Uh, and I also think that if you're one of those guys, if you're Ingram, if you're Alonzo Ball, uh, Kuzma, whoever, right? I'm going into the office and saying I want to be traded. <laughs> I'm not playing for the Lakers anymore. If, I, if that's the, you know, if I'm finding out I'm being offered, you know, nonstop now, what, I'm not going to get traded now. It's no, it's a no win for anybody in this situation. Now, AD Pelicans can't play him anymore. They, I think they're gonna. <laughs> they, they can't. They're gonna him. play him after the or after. They, uh, I think starting now, the deadline's passed. I mean, I, how can you do that? He's, if he gets hurt, there goes uh, all right, his value, right. and he's been hurt. There's been and there's been times where he's gotten oh, he's, hurt. He gets hurt and, every year. And out for never major, yeah, but it's always you know a minor little hurt. injury here and there that can add up. Yeah, and. You can't play him if you're the Pelicans, and if you're the Lakers, um, if I'm Lonzo Ball, I'm probably not even showing up to the arena. Kuzma, not showing up. I'm demanding to be traded. I don't want to be part of the Lakers anymore. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> so, but that's yeah, you know, that's why I think of that whole thing. Yeah, and no, I'm with you on on most of that. I think that I think the whole thing was sort of handled pretty poorly by by Rich Paul and Davis, but more more so Paul, as we know, is you know. LeBron's buddy is childhood best friend slash agent slash everything. And, you know, we know there's technically not collusion or tampering, but there is. I mean, you know that why this trade request happened when it did. It's to, you know, angle it so he can play for the Lakers, which is what LeBron's master plan has probably been the whole time. And the Lakers are getting their butts whooped right now by the Celtics on national television down 18. I mean, yeah, this team doesn't – I wouldn't want to play for the Lakers if I were any of these guys. I mean, if you're Brandon Ingram, you're getting chanted by 20,000 Pacer fans. LeBron's going to trade you, and they're really not wrong. I mean, I know LeBron's not doing it directly, but, I mean, we've seen this now with every team he goes to. You know, he gets there. They got, you know, they got young pieces. He gives it a shot for maybe a couple months, and then it's like, all right, it's my team now. We're going to blow this whole thing up. We're going to get all my vets. We're going to get all my old guys that I know that I can trust. You know, we, we saw it with he bring, you know, bringing in Rondo and JaVale and Stevenson. You know, they wanted Ariza. I'm sure there's other old heads that they want out there. Um, you could bring James Jones back from retirement to sit on the bench with them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think the whole thing has kind of gotten ridiculous. And 
Pelicans were never going to do a deal with them. Not this year. I mean, it makes no sense. Like, not that they're, I mean, they're not that they're the most competent organization in the world because I think the same people that run them are also the same people that run the Saints. And you know that, you know, what their priority is there. Uh, there's certainly more football people than basketball people. But it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you wait till you trade it now. You're not getting them at his best value. I mean, I don't want any of that crap from the Lakers. Not that, I mean, Ingram, Ball, Kuzma, Hart, Picks. All right. Like, there's some decent young players there, but there's no guy with really superstar upside. Uh, I think maybe, I guess, Ingram would be the closest to that. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I don't love Ingram's game. Um, and it makes sense to wait till the summer. I mean, you can get Boston in the sweepstakes, and they clearly have the best, you know, package to offer. Um, they're probably going to have to give them Tatum if they want him. Um, but we know Tatum, I mean, it can be a future already is a really, really good player. Um, I think is definitely bound for stardom, possibly superstardom. So that's, I mean, it's, it's a no brainer that you want to wait, you know, till the summer to make a deal. And isn't it ridiculous? I heard Windhorst also say this on a podcast, uh, I think a couple of days ago, you know, you remember back to the, uh, the mellow drama back when he was uh, still playing with Denver the year before he, he was going to be a free agent. And he told them, you know, that season, look, I'm going to leave at the end of this year anyway. You might as well trade me now, get some in return, blah, 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 blah. So it started with stars requesting trades at the trade deadline, you know, a couple months before they're going to be free agents. Then it went to a full year before they're going to come become free agents, a la Paul George, Jimmy Butler, etc. To now we've gone to a full year and a half, two trade deadlines before guys are going to be free agents and what Anthony Davis has done. I mean, it's getting a little out of control. I know I'm all for player control, having power over their own careers, but I mean, this is at some point, like, what are we doing here? I mean, you can't just, you're on track for another year and a half. I mean, you can't just force your way out of there right now anytime you want. No, yeah. And I also think that this kind of hurts LeBron, uh, you know, his kind of legacy almost. You know, he's the greatest player in basketball history of this generation, right? We'll never see another LeBron type player. Uh, you know, but this has to do with more so, you know, off the off the court stuff, the well, um, now I want to win so bad that I'm willing to trade, you know, get all these guys traded because I want Anthony Davis. Or when it was with the Heat, you know, I want to bring, you know, Chris Bosch, uh, Bosch with me, which is fine. You know, you want to win, that's no problem. But what's evolved into with him, where it's, well, these guys aren't going to get me to win, and I don't really want to carry them, so let me get more and get these guys traded. You know. That's what I feel. It just kind of hurts him in the long run. I feel like, uh, you know, like I said, not playing wise because he's you know the greatest of all time, but you know everything else. It's like, come on. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. And I mean, like, it's unfortunate. I mean, for him, he got hurt this year because they were certainly. I mean, I don't even know if they're gonna make the playoffs now. They'll probably make it because of what the Clippers have done, kind of blowing up their team. You would think they're probably gonna fall out of it, and the Lakers will should be good enough with LeBron back now to grab that final eight spot. Um, but before he got hurt, I mean, they were a definite playoff team. And, you know, once he got hurt, we sort of really started to see the flaws of this roster and how, you know, these young players are, you know, while they're decent, they're certainly not capable of carrying a team. And, you know, if you're the Pelicans, you look at that like, all right, do we really want our core to be Ingram and Lonzo and Kuzma? I mean, we've seen how the Lakers have done without LeBron. I mean, they're like a probably on pace for a 25-30 win team. I mean, that's not getting it done. So, yeah, I mean, the whole thing was sort of a mess. Um, and I'm glad they didn't move him. I'm glad they didn't cave into that because 
you know, they should have they should have the right to wait it out and get the best deal they can this summer. Yeah. So speaking of that that eight spot in the West, how about the Sacramento Kings, huh? Oh yeah, I was going to talk about them on the pod a couple weeks ago. They are they're they're a fun team, man. They're fun to watch. Playing good basketball. They have a young core, um, and then they just picked up Harrison Barnes. Nice. Yeah, that's a good great. pickup. That was the one spot that they were sort of missing was that small forward position. That, that's a legitimate pickup. I mean, he's averaging I think seventeen and five this year, um, seventeen points, five rebounds. So I mean, that's a veteran presence too, and. He's, you know, he's played for Team USA, things like that. So he's been there before. Um, he's there with the Warriors and uh, he's played for a couple other teams. But, I mean, yeah, the, the Kings are legit. I mean, I don't think they'll win a playoff series. But do I think they could sneak in, find their way to an eight or seven seed? I, I think so. No, I'm right with you. I think yeah. they got – they definitely have better chemistry than the Lakers too. Um, and Fox and Heald have been fun to watch all year, man. I mean, they're, they're arguably the best – I mean, they're not the best backcourt, but you could say they're the best under 25, under 24 backcourt in the league. Um, and they got, you know, they got Bagley, a couple other good young pieces. That was really the one spot they were missing was that small forward position. You saw they were rumored to be interested in Gallinari and then Barnes too. Um, and yeah, Barnes is a good player. I mean, he's not a star, but he's, a, he's, I mean, he's a very solid NBA player. He can shoot, he's versatile, can create his own shot. I mean, yeah, he can do a lot of things. Yeah, so... In my opinion, I think Harrison Barnes is a better Andre Iguodala. You know, just that presence he has. He's always going to go hard no matter what. And he's going to make plays, and he can still score, right? Now, granted, Andre Iguodala isn't, you know, anything really now. But when he was younger, I think it's a really good comparison between the two. And like you said, the Kings have (laughs) – they pretty much have over the last few years some of the best, if not the best, college basketball players, you know, that have come through and healed and uh, what's his name? They have De'Aaron yeah, Fox, Fox, right? Yeah, Fox, and, and Bagley, too. Yep. And Bagley. I mean, and Bagley's – I mean, I didn't think Bagley was going to have this, a great year just because I felt like his body type kind of was going to need some adjusting. You know, he's kind of lanky so much. and But, I mean, he's having a great year, so – I do think – I think, if anything, they might sneak in over the Lakers. If not, get, like – maybe they both get in somehow. Maybe the Lakers pull up to a seventh and, um, you know, Kings get an eighth or whatever. But it's going to be fun to watch those two teams down the stretch because they are, you know, definitely, you know, vying for the playoff spot. And the Kings, man, they are fun. They are They fun are. They watch. can score. And they fill it uh, up. They play fast, too. And then – uh, another team in the West that you mentioned, Morris, was the Clippers, and I wanted to get your thoughts on what, how you think, you know, with this uh, ha- Tobias Harris trade. What do you think of that? Tobias, baby, it's a big yeah. move, big move for my Sixers. Um, yeah, I mean, the Clippers were clearly probably in, in sell mode. Um, I mean, they're looking to land real big fish this summer: Kawhi, possibly AD, possibly KD. They got th- you got to think they're probably going to get one of those guys. Kawhi probably being the most likely. Um, I know he just recently bought a house in San Diego. You know, I don't know what that means, but, you know, we can all guess what that kind of means. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're looking – it doesn't really make sense for them to, you know, fight and, and scratch and claw for the eight seed only to get blasted by the Warriors in round one, you know. And they also – I think that uh, if they make the playoffs, they don't get their pick this year. I think it goes to Boston. But if they miss the playoffs, it's a lottery protected pick. So then they would get their pick. 
Um, so yeah, they don't really have any incentive, even though they got a nice team, they got a lot of good players. Um, they don't really have a lot of incentive to make the playoffs this year. It sort of makes sense for them to maybe want to fall out, um, retain their pick this year and try to land that big free agent this year. And, you know, for the Sixers, for us, I mean, that was really, that was the one spot in our starting five that we were missing was that, you know, stretch four man. And we hit the jackpot. Obviously Harris is much more than just a stretch four. Um, you know, while he can, and he's a terrific spot up shooter. Uh, he can do a lot of other things too. I mean, the Sixers are in dire need for anybody, you know, that can create offense, especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, obviously we got Jimmy Butler, but there's still sort of, you know, a stagnation sort of with the offense when it comes to a halt in the fourth quarter. Um, they're one of the best offenses in the league for the first three quarters, but since they don't really have a ton of great isolation individual scores, sometimes you can see, you know, those dribble handoffs with Reddit get stalled and, Simmons' inability to shoot comes back to haunt them. Um, and, you know, Embiid is dominant usually for much of the game. Then, you know, he, he gets tired in the fourth. And, you know, it's just hard to run your offense through the post in the fourth quarter in today's NBA with, you know, you can double and the Sixers didn't have enough shooting. And Harris fills all these gaps perfectly. I mean, the guy really should have been an all-star this year, I think. Um, certainly if he was in the East, he'd be an all-star. Averaging 21, eight, eight boards. Um, shooting almost 50 from the field, shooting 43, 44% from three. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's a perfect fit. And then, you know, the other guys we got too, Mike Scott and, uh, and Boban, who everybody loves also going to be great pieces off the bench. Um, you know, nothing special, but I think Scott is an upgrade for Mike Muscala, who we had as our backup stretch big man. Uh, Scott's a little more versatile. He can defend a little bit better. Um, probably a better shooter too. And then Boban, I mean, everybody's favorite, um, Certainly, I mean, not a guy you want playing big minutes, but I think he's the perfect backup for MVP playing 10, 15 minutes a night. And then the other moves the Sixers made too today. I mean, obviously the big one trading Markel Fultz. Um, it was about time, you know, a sad end. Obviously not what we wanted, you know, only being a year and barely over a year and a half removed from that draft and for what we gave up to get him. Um, but yeah, I've kind of, you know, had my brain past Fultz for months now. Um, it wasn't going to happen for him here. So, I mean, it is what it is. It's tough to see him go, but for what he's become, really, you know, we didn't get back terrible value for him. Jonathan Simmons, who's a capable wing, you know, also a guy that can defend. He can slap a little bit. He's not bad. Um, and they somehow were able to get a protected first-round pick uh, from the Magic via the Thunder for next year, I think, since so top 20 protected. Um, so that pick will probably convey because you got to think the Thunder are probably going to be picking in, you know, the mid to late 20s with how good their team is right now. Um, so yeah, well, I mean, a wacky couple days for the, for the NBA. I mean, way more trades than I think anybody thought would happen. And, uh, I like what the Sixers did. I do. I like it a lot. And I like that. I think that trade with the Clippers, I think it's a win-win for both teams. I mean, the Clippers got Landry Shannon, who's a decent player. We gave him picks. I mean, we gave him an unprotected first rounder. So win-win for both. Yeah. And a shout out to the Clippers for bringing up my boy, uh, Angel Delgado, you know, oh, cool. fan favorite time to play there. Yeah, so looking forward to watching him in the NBA because he's been tearing up the G League. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to him now being up. Uh, I think this trade also makes the Sixers probably the best team in the East. Uh, I think the Celtics are still a little too inconsistent. Uh, so I, I do really think this makes the Sixers the team to beat in the East. Now, come playoff time, you never know what happens. But, you know, this is definitely – the best, I think, in my opinion, the best, you know, trade for a team that has, you now it's in it, 
you know, still. Uh, and we can't leave the NBA yeah. talk without talking about the uh, the New York Knickerbockers and what a blow up. Oh boy! Is. I mean, in a week, think about it, right? So we start off with you know, KP, you know, God Zingus is having a meeting, right? And everybody's like, "Oh, what is this mean?" He doesn't want to be on the team anymore. And then, literally, 15 minutes later, after that meeting, he's traded. So I'm glad he's gone. In my opinion, I think he's became too much of almost too enamored of the city and the bright little, lights, and he was never he was never really worth it. I mean, a little bit of a diva, a little bit of a diva. Oh, absolutely! And on sports radio, they were screaming that Matt Harvey did more for New York than Christoph Porzingis, and it's true. Oh, I mean, I guess it is true. He did go to the World Series. Yeah, I mean, you can't be here and be selfish unless you're that good. He's done absolutely nothing. He's missed, I think it was, he's missed over 50% of his game since his, uh, you know, since he got drafted. Um, and I'm glad he's gone, you know. Tim Hardaway, I like Tim Hardaway, but his contract is just way too big. So I'm glad he's gone too. Courtney Lee gone. Uh, buyout and his canter. See ya buy out uh, Wesley Matthews, who they got back from Dallas. DeAndre Jordan, uh, you know, he'll be gone at the end of the year. You know, he's the one that scares me, though, because the last thing you need is DeAndre Jordan uh, trying to play for a contract. Oh, that's <laughs> true. So, uh, but he'll be gone, you know, and I like DeAndre Jordan. He's a little, he's a good, he's a good player. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr., the guy they should have taken in that draft instead of Frank Miller. Cool. You know? Finally, finally a Nick again, uh, or not, but finally a Nick when where he should have, where he should have been. Uh, so I'm happy he's here. I think he's going to play well in New York. Just, he's kind of got that like attitude that's going. I think going to be well, go over well with the fans and whatnot. And then you know in the summer it's going to be oh man, it's going to be fun. But you know even if they don't get KD and they don't get you know. Uh, Kyrie Irving or whoever, Kawhi, whatever. They still have two first-round picks this year, I believe, and picks, you know, coming left and right next few years. So this is going to be an exciting time. So if you're not a Knicks fan and you're kind of like a casual basketball fan, it's time to jump on the train. We're taking all. We're taking all. (laughs) Things could be looking upward for the Knickerbockers, finally, it seems. I like – I mean, yeah, the trade – they probably got it, you know, as much as they could. Some people didn't think they got enough. But, I mean, Dennis Smith still has some upside. You know, they got a pick, too. And, uh, you know, that's what they're really looking to do is clear is clear money to sign, you know, two big free agents this summer. They were able to get off Hardaway's contract, as you said. Um, and, you know, who knows? They're going to have a top three pick, probably, and could be the number one overall pick, could be Zion. So, for the first time ever, there looks like there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel for the Knicks. Um, but I'll call yeah. it by saying it is the Knicks. So, Let's let's wait and see who they get first before we can, you know, declare the basketballs back in New York. But there's a pathway at least. Now. Well, if if, the, if Durant wins the championship, there's going to be a six oh, borough. We're already talking about Durant City. championships. Uh, yet the Knicks are oh, I mean, ten and forty or something. I <laughs> oh, it's going to be so much oh, fun boy. if he's in New York. Cannot oh, wait. Yeah, well, I do hope the Knicks uh, start uh, going on a, a positive note. Um, it's been it's been rough over the last what fifteen years, Dom. 
<laughs> well, they made the playoffs a few years. They had that ago. one. They had uh, that one mellow Jr. team that was pretty good uh, one year. Still rough. It was. It was uh, <laughs> two thousand and what? That fall two thousand and thirteen season. They made. They got past the first round, and I believe they lost to uh, the Pacers. Yeah, they did. The, the young and, Paul uh, George Pacers. Yeah, yeah, in the Eastern Conference semifinals, and that was that. But say what you want, Melo is was a way better Nick than KP could have ever been, and that's saying something considering, you know, Melo had, you know, an up and down career here, not on the court, but like character wise. So, but man, I cannot wait for this summer. Yeah. So, um, I'll I'll just make a quick quick uh, quick couple notes um, from some of the other trades that are that have happened um, that I think are big, and I also want. Sean, so LeBron was so fascinated in trying to get, you know, AD to come with him in LA, but I, like, why weren't they attempting to go after Gasol and, uh, and Mike Conley, you know, like, I mean, Mike Conley's a stud. Um, and he actually ended up not getting moved at all. Um, his buddy Gasol ended up going to the Raptors, which is actually a huge move for them, um, in the East. But I mean, the Lakers were way too fascinated on getting AD and then they ended up getting scrubs, you know, in, in their trade. They got, who did they get? They got Reggie Bullock, and then they ended up getting Mike. They ended up getting they got, they got our boy. They got Muscala, who Yeah. I watched Miss Threes for the last four months. He's terrible. So I don't know. I don't know what they're doing um, in LA, but it's it's a mess over there. Um, and yeah, I think I think that Gasol move and that Miritich move. So Miritich when is heading to the Bucks. I think that's a big move for them. I mean, they have another shooter on the floor to spread it with Giannis. Oh, man, that's uh, – they're serious over there in Milwaukee, aren't they? Yeah, the Bucks are loaded, man. They got so many guys. I mean, you could say they're really – you know, they're not as, as top-heavy as some of these other teams. I mean, they got Giannis, who's obviously a top-five player in the league, might win the MVP. Um, then Middleton, who's an all-star too. But, you know, outside of that, I mean, they just got a lot of good players, man. They got – tons of depth at the guard spot at the wing and now the front court i mean they could so many big guys that can shoot uh lopez Ilyasova. now you add miritich to that uh you know you have the backcourt bledsoe brogdon um george hill who they picked up in a trade i mean there's tons of guys and the east is really i mean for the first time in a decade basically because there's no more lebron i mean it's gonna be fun to watch you know these playoffs i could see any i mean dom i love you saying the Sixers are the favorites and i certainly hope we come out of it um, but I could see any of these four teams winning, man. I mean, Toronto, Milwaukee, the Sixers, or Boston. Um, I think the the odds in Vegas today I saw. I think they're all, I think they're all tied for like nine to four or something um, to come out of the East. So I mean, Vegas thinks it's a toss up and a crapshoot too. And I couldn't agree more. I think yeah, and I agree with you, Tina. I think that Gasol move was really good for Toronto. Um, gives them a center to bang. Can also make some threes, played in playoff games before. Um, and then Milwaukee yet yeah, with the Meritage move. Boston didn't make any moves, but they're probably, you know, they could get a guy on the buyout market. You could see Canner maybe go there. Um, and their team is probably already, you know, deep enough as it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, the playoffs between those four teams, you know, we're going to have a great, great two second round matchups, definitely, uh, barring any injuries. And then a, certainly a great conference final, I think, too. What about that Greg Monroe trade to uh, the oh, Nets? I think that's a big oh, move too. Grandpa Greg. The Nets, that's kind of, Grandpa the Nets Greg. The Nets kind of need a guy. 
They need another guy like that, though. They don't. They got what's his name? Uh, Allen. Yeah, Allen. Uh, you know, and he's really good, right? But at the same time, he's young, and I think Greg Monroe coming will just bring, you know, just makes them better. So, you know, say what you get what you get from him, but that I think that's a really good trade for the Nets. Yeah, they need some more front court depth, probably. Um, you know, they're a guard wing heavy team. I still like the Nets. I mean, we talked about them obviously a couple weeks ago on the pod. Um, you know, it was unfortunate Dinwiddie got hurt the, literally the day after we talked about him. Um, but they're going to get back healthy. Dinwiddie and Levert are going to come back. Um, and I know that's that's a scary first round team. That's probably the scariest one because you got to think now with Indiana with Oladipo out for the year. I mean, they're probably not really a threat to be any of those top four teams. Um, and no one, none of those bottom teams probably will. But if there's one that could, you know, put a little scare in you, it's probably Brooklyn just because they have so many playmaking guards, so much firepower on offense. Um, I'm not sure defensively if they can really get enough stops when it matters. But with Russell, LaVert, Dinwiddie, uh, that's a lot of firepower to handle right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and speaking of Levert, he's actually going to be going to be back tomorrow night, so I'm excited for that. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. I didn't know that. Good for him. Yeah, he's he's that's a that's a, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so uh, let's move on to a little bit of college hoops, Dom. I know this is your your favorite topic. Um, yes. So I'm just going to you know introduce the team that uh, we're going to talk about: the Kansas State Wildcats, um, currently first in the Big Twelve with a 17 and five record. Um, what do you think about, uh, you know, the future this year for the Kansas state Wildcats? Do you think they can hold up over Kansas and, uh, and, and win the conference? Yeah, I think they win the conference. Uh, I think the only team that challenges them is Iowa state, which they are. You know, Iowa state's a really good team too. Uh, and, but they already have to win over Iowa state also, which is big. They play Iowa state. Soon, I believe. I don't know if it's in the, within the next week or two, or no, it's definitely within the next week or two. But I don't know if it's like next game or you know three games from now. But they've done a really good job. Uh, Dean Wade, uh, he's the forward for Kansas State, is having a hell of a season. Great conference play. He's averaging over fourteen points a game, close to a double double. He's got about. I believe it is seven or eight rebounds per game he's averaging. Uh, so he's no, he's big. They got some good guard play. So look for them to kind of go. And they've had big wins. I mean, they beat Kansas the other day, which, I mean, Kansas is kind of depleted. But, and they've just lost, you know, Gerald Vick. He's taking a leave of absence, whatever the hell that means, college basketball. Wait, he is? So, what for? Uh, they didn't say? say i can only imagine it's because he wants to transfer huh. but you know or been he's in trouble and that's just the excuse to use him uh but you know kansas is beat up i don't think you know i think at this point they're gonna get like a like a 11 or 12 seed and come ncaa tournament play they're just not the same team that they were in the beginning of the year clearly they lost what's his name for the rest of the year and next year because of that whole fbi recruiting thing uh and then, but I don't really see another challenger to Kansas State other than uh, Iowa State. Texas, I don't think Texas is going to win the Big 12, but Texas can give Kansas State troubles. They already, Texas already beat them believe, uh, this year, I believe. Uh, and there's another one, you know, they're playing, you know, soon also uh, again. So they've already beat, I mean, they've already beat Iowa State, like I said. They beat 
uh, Kansas. They have another matchup coming up with Kansas. You know, in you know, in uh, you know, whatever that the stupid arena is that everybody says is so Allen Fieldhouse. <laughs> uh, and then they split with Texas Tech, and Texas Tech is a you know decently good team. They're kind of they've been kind of up and down recently, but you know they're still a really quality team, quality one. Uh, come March Madness time, I think. You know, Kansas State probably ends up – well, if they win the Big 12 tournament, I think they end up top six seed, maybe top five seed, you know, because that's just, you know, kind of how it works with the you know, Power Five conference and the Big 12. You know, clearly not, you know, pick to win it. But if they do, I think that's where they end up. If they don't win the Big 12, I think it's definitely a six or seven seed. I don't think any lower than that. Uh, and I think they can kind of make, you know, they can definitely make a run. They're definitely a good quality team that's going to, you know, play hard. Even if they don't win, they're going to play hard and give you, you know, all 40 minutes of basketball. There's no possessions taken off. And Bruce Weber, I mean, he's done a hell of a job this year. Yeah, and it's kind of exciting. I mean, you love to see teams that like Kansas State or an Iowa State or whoever that's not that's not Kansas or Texas or, you know, come out of the Big 12 and, really make some noise, kind of like last year with, uh, you know, Tennessee and the SEC, you know, a team that's kind of been there before and whatnot. And, you know, they're finally good. They had this attitude that they can beat anybody. And it was fun to see. And that's all you can really ask for, you know, in college basketball. But I am excited to keep watching Kansas State because they are, you know, a really good team. And the other thing, too, is I don't know if you guys watched that game the other day between Kansas and Kansas State. That place was rocking. Yeah, I did. I did. I watched and, the second half of that. It was a great atmosphere. Yeah, it was rocking. So, and I don't know, you know, I'm assuming that's a lot of has to do with that because it's Kansas, because it's Kansas they played, but man, they, it's going to be fun to watch them. Yeah. The, the big thing with Kansas state. So their upcoming schedule is uh, they're at Baylor on Saturday and then at Texas next Tuesday. Um, they've already taken a, a big loss of Texas um, early in January. They actually lost by 20. Um, but I believe Wade was injured. Um, so that probably is a big, that's a big part of it. Um, yeah, he didn't come back until I th- believe this first game back was the Iowa state game. That they yeah. Won. So, um, yeah, he's, I mean, he's been balling since his injury. He's, he's been, he's been on a tear. Um, he can spread the floor. Um, he's a big dude too. He's like six, eight, like two twenty or something like that. So he's, he's a big physical player. He can get it done. Um, and then you had um, after after that they uh, they come back home for Iowa State, so that's going to be a doozy uh, next Saturday. Um, yeah, I mean you know they're on ESPN two against uh, Texas on Tuesday, so I'm looking forward to that one. Um, that's going to be a really good basketball game. Um, and the other player I want to talk about for them is uh, is Brown Jr. I mean he's been uh, he's you know a veteran presence on that team. What do you think about him, uh, guys? Yeah, he's a good player, man. And I like I like him a lot. And- I like Wade too. I mean, those are they defend, man. This team locks down on D. Um, I mean, Brown's really he's their number one creator. Um, not shooting the ball great from three, but definitely you know providing great leadership. Um, and then, like you said, I mean, Wade, you know, a big guy, really stretching the floor there too. Um, yeah, I mean, they're they're a fun team to watch in a year that's you know the Big Twelve is pretty wide open. We could say for the first time, and you know, I mean. You never really want to doubt Kansas too much, having gotten a share of the common title for the last 15 years or whatever the hell it is now, that streak. Um, but if there's a year, I mean, they they certainly look really vulnerable right now. 
Um, as, especially as of late, and like you said, I mean, Vic is not doesn't look like he's coming back. Um, so Kansas State, I mean, they're there for the taking for them. And it's surprising they're not even they're not even ranked right now. You got to think that next week after this win over Kansas um, and leading the Big Twelve, they'll be they'll be in the rankings um, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think one hundred percent. I think this week coming up now that Baylor game, uh, are they at Baylor or they're at Baylor. That's going to be a very tough game for them because uh, Baylor's kind of one of those teams that is kind of up and down also, but they can score, they can play. So, yeah, that's going to be a, a game. You know, if you're not doing anything on a Saturday, you definitely have to tune into that game because it's going to be something. It's going to be yeah, fun. The, the Big 12 has been uh, it's been really good over the past few years. They've been uh, on the up and up, and they, they play tough basketball in the Big 12. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, and then you got teams like even you know, the other day, Iowa State, Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma has kind of been one of those teams that was up forever, and now they're kind of up and down. Uh, but they even, I mean, that game was a, a lot of fun also on Monday. Uh, you know, not for betters who took Iowa State minus <laughs> two and a half, but that's what's the point. Uh, you know, and even you know, Baylor's fun to watch. Texas is fun to watch because when Texas wants to play, they you know. They can, they can really play go. with the best of them too, Tyler. Yeah, but they yeah, they, they mean, throw in some clunkers, teams. but they beat North Carolina earlier in the year. Well, yeah, like I said, if they decide they want to play, then it's really fun to watch them. But if you they don't, then it's like, well, what am I yeah, even doing? Nah, you know? yeah. So, but yeah, I I feel like the, the two teams it comes down to though is definitely Kansas State and Iowa yeah. State. I think those guys are those teams are above and beyond. I think everybody else. Texas Tech, I throw in their third if they can make a little bit of a run. They have a few losses in conference though, which is tough for them. Uh, but yeah, I think this is going. It's going to be a fun down stretch. This is the best. This is the best time, in my opinion, of college basketball. You know, the tournaments, whatever. Uh, but this this last month, kind of every conference and the conference tournaments are just so much fun to me. You know, seeing all these teams really compete for seeding in the tournament and. You know, down the stretch for a team that's a mid-major or not a mid-major, but mid-conference, uh, you know, let's get in, let's beat these teams, and you know, not leave it on the, not leave it up to the committee, and get in. Yeah, I'm with you. College basketball really starts to heat up for me once you know football ends um, the entire month of February, and like you said, I love the beginning of March. You know, when the regular season is winding down, and then the conference tournaments are just awesome too. Um, and I love the NCAA tournament, obviously, still too. Um, but I hear you on how exciting it is to kind of where we get to, you know, to that point, um, you know, see what teams sneak in on conference tournament weekend. If you, you know, you get a team that's that, you know, gets, gets that at large bid um, or gets that automatic bid by, you know, sneaking in and winning their conference tournament somehow. Um, yeah. So college basketball, it's going to heat up right now. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I, I love college basketball this time when they start playing the other conference teams for the second time and you start learning everyone's, uh, you know, ways and how they're playing on the season. So it's going to start heating up and uh, I'm here for it. Um, but let's let's move on to the MLB just really quickly. Um, more so I'll let you touch base on, on that trade um, that the Phillies made today. Uh, what do you think about, uh, again, one of the best catchers in baseball? Big stuff, man. JT Real Muto. Um, two seventy seven average last year. I want to say upwards of close to twenty five homers, eighty RBIs. Um, and you got to think. I heard some uh, 
heard a guy on the on the radio today and on the Philly local sports talk radio, um, one of the uh, beat writers for the Phils, talking about basically how, you know, playing in Marlins Park for this guy, you know, one of the bigger parks in baseball. Um, and he said he went back and tracked. There were like 15 to 20 balls that he hit there that would have been extra base hits or home runs here. Uh, so you got to think playing in a much more hitter-friendly ballpark in Citizens Bank, he could get up to, upwards of 30 homers. Um, and, you know, pro- probably a higher batting average too. Certainly, I think, one of the best, if not the best, young catchers in baseball. Obviously had to pay a steep price to get him. Um, I mean, giving up Sixto Sanchez was tough. You know, one, because he's got the best name maybe in baseball, Sixto Sanchez. <laughs> That's just fucking awesome right there. Um, but, you know, no, I mean, scouts have compared him to Pedro Martinez, which is obviously a lofty comparison. Um, but this guy really does have electric stuff. He's been hurt a little bit, um, but certainly was our best, not only pitching prospect, but prospect overall. So it hurts a little bit to see him go. Um, and then Alfaro, uh, you know, our young catcher, we got in the Cole Hamels deal a couple years ago. A guy I also like, um, you know, had his ups and downs as a, as a young player last year, first full season in the big leagues, but still a guy that I think has got potential. Um, he's got a lot of pop. Uh, he can hit the ball a mile. Um, but, you know, when you're talking about Real Muto, um, I think it's a no-brainer move. I mean, it's incidents and instant upgrade. Um, and it really caps off a, a quiet, quietly really good offseason for the Phils. And, you know, we haven't even gotten to the Harper Machado whirlwind, whatever the hell you want to call that yet. I'm hoping we still get one of those guys. But adding McCutcheon, adding Gene Segura, David Robertson, a couple other relievers, you know, and now Real Muto. I think it clearly signals that the Phils are, you know, they're trying, their window's open right now. They're trying to win. They're trying to compete. Uh, the NL East is wide open. You know, the Braves won it last year, but I'm not, you know, I'm not sold on them being, you know, a dominant team by any means. I think it's pretty wide open. So why not go for it right now? Uh, and this move definitely signaled that. Yeah, I think it's definitely a good pickup for the Phillies. Uh, I'm not the biggest, like, like, Fan, not fan of like real Muto. I think he is a really good catcher, but I just think I didn't understand all the hype around him. Uh, obviously, he's the best pitching, you know, catch, not pitching, uh, catching prospect, you know, out on the market this all season. Clearly, didn't want to be with the Marlins anymore after, you know, Jeter's kind of blown up that team, which I mean, itself is kind of a crazy fact that all these guys are now, you know, Stan Yelich, uh, now Real Muto. You know, and all the other, you know, Ozuna, and they couldn't even make the playoffs with any of that, which is kind of amazing. But uh, definitely a good pickup for the Phillies, and I think you are right. They are, you know, they're in it win mode now. Uh, the window's there. The window could shrink, though, if they don't get it done, at least make the playoffs this year. They need to show improvement. They need to get to, you know, the playoffs this year. I think anything less is a failure. Yeah, we need, we need some pitching yeah. too. I mean, that's I, I didn't talk about that. I mean, outside of Nola and Arietta, there's really not a whole lot there that I trust. Um, I like the bullpen additions, like I said, but we could, you know, they're probably going to look to to deal for another starter definitely at some point during the season. Yeah. So um, speaking of uh, the Philly area, I want to talk about a player um, from the Philly area. Joey Wendell, he attended the Westchester University of Pennsylvania, Morris. How do you feel oh, about I love that? it. It's a great school. I almost went there. Yeah. <laughs> Said I settled to go to the good school with you, uh, with you guys. Some of us wish you didn't go. <laughs> oh, come on now. We wouldn't be doing this podcast oh, if I went there. 
exactly. <laughs> oh well. Anyway, um, so yeah, so Joey Wendell is my uh, my sneaky plays dog of the week. Um, you know, he's he's one of those guys that's that was in the minors for for a long time. Um, he got drafted back in 2012, and uh, he got traded from the A's um, to the Rays two years ago. For uh, I mean, over a little over a year ago, for a player to be named later. I mean, like when you get traded for someone like that, like you know, how much are you really worth to the organization you're working with? Uh, but anyway, I mean, he he proved the that the A's you know were wrong. Really, I mean, he came to the Rays and um, he finished technically finished fourth in the AL Rookie of the Year votes this past year at 28 years old. But I mean. He could have made a, a big case to be rookie of the year. Um, he hit 300 last year, you know, which was eighth in the AL, you know. So, I mean, he's the, the guy's a stud. Um, he can play everywhere and uh, he played games at um, second base, short, third, and left field and right field last year. So, he's really a utility guy. He's like the next Ben Zobris, in my opinion. Ah, I like that. I like that. Yes. But for the Rays, that's just like going to do it all. And a lot of those guys on the Rays can do that. Like uh, Daniel Robertson does the similar stuff where, you know, if he need he's, if he's needed in left field, like he'll go out there and play. Um, so, um, yeah, I just wanted to bring up Joey Wendell. Uh, I, I think he's going to have another solid year, hit over 300 again. Um, and I think he's going to lead the Rays to a, uh, a wild card spot or a divisional chance this season because I mean I think the Rays are on the up um, I'm not sure what you guys think about the Rays and uh, what player oh. would lead them to the playoffs if if so be uh, n- none of the players because the Yankees oh god yeah. well you're not the right yeah. person to ask uh, you know I think you have to worry about getting past the Red Sox and the Yankees first or at least one of them uh but I don't. I mean, the Rays played really well last year. I can't. I can give them that. They won 100 games last no, year. No, they won 95. Yeah, 95 games and not making the playoffs. That's a pretty damn good season. Oh, and what they finished? They finished like double digits out of the of uh, yeah. The well, Rays, yeah, right? The Yankees and A's both, you know, won a shit ton of games too. Yeah, the, yeah last season was. They- Cause you got so many. The A's don't play in the AL East, Morris. No, I'm talking. I'm talking about. Well, I'm talking they about were. The, wild card. the A's won a ton of games too. Like they didn't even. They were double digits out of the wild card and the division. I think. No, they were. They were on the tails of the A's um, up until the last week of the oh, okay. season. Um, so they finished a couple games back from them, and they finished. I want to say eleven games back from the Yankees, which is absurd. Oh, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough in the AL East. I mean, the Yankees, the Red Sox are still there. Um, what's good for them is that the O's still stink, and so do the Blue Jays. So, um, oh, the O's. Oh, my God, they're horrible. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I just wanted to talk about Joey Wendell. I just think, like, he's an underappreciated player, and, like, they literally were like, oh, he's a 28-year-old guy from the minors who just had a decent year, you know, and he's not the rookie of the year, but – I mean, he had great numbers, so um, it's really upsetting that he didn't win, but um, even though he hit 300, so I'm not sure what else he could do. Um, he's only had uh, six – he only had six errors last year playing all those different positions. So, I mean, 
really a, you know, jack of all trades, if you will. Um, but anyway, yeah, he's my dog of the week, Morris, because he uh, he went to Westchester. I love it. So I love it. I can. I'll tell you why he's going to win AL Rookie of the Year because he didn't throw twenty innings the whole year and hit a, have a mediocre average. But you know, that's oh, just my Jesus. opinion. <laughs> uh, sorry for that eruption there from my roommates a moment ago too. The Flyers scored the game tying goal with 15 seconds. Overtime right now. Well, gonna throw that out there. I was gonna say overtime. It's I just got a score flash. It's, it's two minutes left yeah, in overtime. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I, well, anyway, that's a that's a that's a wrap on all the sports talk. Um, again, I want to reiterate: go on jokermag.com. Um, O'Shea put up a hustle motivate podcast today, um, from a professional goalkeeper. Um, it was very good. I listened to it earlier. Um, he does one every week. He, he puts his out on Thursdays. We're going to start putting our sneaky plays out on Fridays and, uh, give you a, a dogs of the week article, um, every single week from now on. Um, we'll try to focus on different sports each week for the dog of the week. Um, and uh, yeah, for that. Um, and going forward, you know, mostly NBA, uh, a little bit of MLB. Um, we'll sprinkle in NHL here and there when there's big stories. And uh, college basketball is going to be heating up as we uh, start going into middle of February, beginning of March. So it's going to be – can't wait for March Madness. Uh, it will be madness on this podcast for sure. <laughs> oh, yes, it will. you guys have any – you guys, have anything before we wrap up? Uh, no, no, I'm good. Just watching my flat. Enjoy your right weekend. Now, and the Lakers actually just came back down from 18 to take a lead. So I don't know what I know. <laughs> Devils are in a shootout right now. Uh, I will. Everyone, enjoy your weekends and uh, go raise. This podcast was brought to you by JokerMag.com, home of the underdog.